Scene 11 Setting Entering the Praetorium to be tried before Pilate Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 to 34 Luke chapter 23 John chapter 18 verses 28 to 38 As the full moon shone brightly through the windows of Pilate's private chambers, the wife of the Roman procurator woke up abruptly, covered in a cold sweat. That man, she whispered to herself, that man, I could see his face, the one they call the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. It was a dream, she told herself, but the dream troubled her. She could not go back to sleep after the dream of this man, this one man. I must warn my husband, Pilate, Procula moaned, as she tossed and turned in the early morning. I will tell him later today. I do not want to worry him. With that thought, she finally fell back into a troubled sleep, just as Pilate was being awakened for an unofficial meeting with a prisoner. It was just before 5 a.m. Pilate had been told this prisoner might cause political unrest. This Jesus of Nazareth, who calls himself the Messiah, the Son of God. The Sanhedrin had pleaded with him the previous night to arrest me. Pilate had reluctantly given his permission for a regiment of Roman soldiers to seize me in the garden. Pilate thought of his wife sleeping next to him. He could hear her breathe heavily. She had been restless in the night. Pilate groaned softly as he groped for his robe and slippers. It still seemed like night-time to him. He crept quietly out of the room, as to not wake her. He had hoped the religious leaders would finish the matter among themselves. Those Jewish leaders, with all of their rules and religious regulations, why are they so bothered by this one man? Pilate's thoughts turned and twisted in his head as he prepared himself for the trial. Surely. He has no power over them, and if he did have power from a higher source, which Pilate with all his cynicism could scarcely believe, so what? Why did they feel so threatened? If his power was coming from their God, and they professed they loved their God, wouldn't they welcome someone who comes from their God? Trying to make sense of it, Pilate continued to reason as he washed his face and put on his governor's robe. Of what I have seen and heard, this Jesus seems to be a gentleman full of wisdom. In fact, he seems to be somewhat of a sage. If the rumors are true, this country rabbi, who was raised by a carpenter, healed the common folk and fed masses on a hillside with five loaves and two fish. Pilate obsessively smoothed out the wrinkles in his garment, strapped his sandals to his feet, looked in the mirror one last time, and lingered. I don't have time for this. He headed down the stone steps to the gathering place, clearly irritated. He was a busy governor. The Jewish Passover only made his life more hectic, with the masses of visitors swarming the streets of Jerusalem. At the same time Pilate was wishing he could go back to bed, I was nearing the praetorium with the Roman soldiers and the servants of the high priest. I was bloody, beaten, and worn out 
after being falsely accused, ridiculed, criticized, and mocked. I, Jesus, their Messiah, had been treated worse than a common criminal during the three religious trials I had endured in the palace of the high priest Caiaphas, which had taken place from just after midnight until now. First was the questioning before Annas, the former high priest, who was a father-in-law of Caiaphas. Annas passed me on to Caiaphas to further try me, after he questioned me about my disciples and about my teaching. I had answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all the Jews come together, and I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. One of the officers standing nearby struck me, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? I had answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if I speak rightly, why do you strike me? John chapter 18, verses 19 to 23 I could have said, Is this the way you treat your Messiah? I could have called down a lightning bolt from heaven but I was not wanting to twist their words to point at them instead of me. They were already on trial in the courtroom of my Father in heaven. Then I was bombarded by overblown rhetorical questions by Caiaphas, the high priest, the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. John chapter 18, verses 13 and 14. The high priest said to me, I implore you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. I said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Mark chapter 14, verse 62. That is when Caiaphas tore his robes and said to the court, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have or witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He deserves death. Matthew chapter 26, verses 63 to 66. The third trial, still on the palace grounds of Caiaphas, was not a formal meeting of the Sanhedrin. No, it was more like a lynch mob who steals away in the night too afraid to walk in the light of day. They knew they had no right to execute any man, let alone execute me. The Jewish leaders had lost the power to determine capital punishment forty years prior to this night. Furthermore, they were forbidden to hold trials at night, but the hypocrites justified their actions by starting the trial after midnight, calling it the early morning instead of the night. Caiaphas had resolved to execute me for some time. He now was sitting in the judgment seat over the leaders of Israel and the teachers of the Torah. He was determined to push his ideology as far as he could go, and was not known for backing off on points he felt strongly about. The trials before the Jewish authorities, the religious trials, showed the degree of how much the Jewish leaders hated me because they carelessly disregarded many of their own laws during my trial, laws such as no trial was to be held during feast time, 
Each member of the court was to vote individually to convict or acquit. But I was convicted by acclamation, basically cheering from the members instead of a vote. If the death penalty was given by the Roman government, a night must pass before the sentence was carried out. However, only a few hours passed from the conviction to the time I was placed on the cross. The Jews had no authority to execute anyone. No trial was to be held at night. But this trial was held before dawn. The accused was to be given counsel or representation, but I had none. The accused was not to be asked self-incriminating questions, but I was asked if I was the Christ. I, Jesus, their righteous Messiah, stood condemned before my chosen ones who had waited for me for thousands of years. I remained silent and obedient, obedient unto death, bound in chains, held in place only by my own decision to become the perfect sacrificial lamb of God. I endured their unlawful trials for one reason and one reason only, to pay the ransom for their soul and anyone who would believe in me. I was not bound by their courts or judgments. I was not bound by their opinions or laws. I was not bound by the Roman government. Exhausted and alone, after not sleeping for more than twenty-four hours, fettered only by my will to succumb to their misconceptions, I was thinking of you, as I am thinking of you now. I did not arrive in the manner they were anticipating. Perhaps I am not who you were expecting for a saviour, a humble messiah who allowed himself to be tortured on your behalf. Perhaps you would rather establish your own righteousness than to join me in humility and receive my free gift of salvation. God must be God and show up however he wants, or he cannot be God. The priests knew the prophecies in the Tankah, those which spoke of me in Isaiah, the prophecies of a humble king. I loved all of humanity, since I created them. Why would I come to redeem them in such a way which would demand their worship? Any god who is god can exert his omnipotence and power and force people to obey, but I desired to first come in humility and love, with the one hope that people would simply love me back. I will come again to judge the living and the dead. But now I, the Messiah, Emmanuel, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the bright and morning star, the Prince of Peace, willing to shed my blood to form the new covenant with my beloved people this morning, had come to serve, not to be served. My blood dripped to the ground as I entered the praetorium. The pain of my body was minimal compared to the pain of my heart. The suffering that arose from the stark realization that my chosen people of Israel did not recognize their beloved Saviour. This was truly the most agonizing pain I felt searing into my heart. My heart beat with longing for them. My firstborn son, as they continued their condemnation of me, just as my heart experiences anguish for you when you do not recognize me. Of course, the sin of blasphemy for which the chief priests accused me of is atrocious 
if I was not telling the truth. But because I was telling the truth, the sin of delivering the Son of God to die on a cross is the more horrific sin. The Lamb of God, without spot or blemish, was prepared to pay the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of Israel and of all people for all time. A God who is God would show up and run the show. The show I was running this day was a reality show of a perfect blood sacrifice for Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin, for Pilate, for Procula, for anyone who would call on my name. Not according to the covenant that I had made with their fathers, in the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which they broke, even though I was like an Ishi, a husband to them, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And this is the covenant. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And I will be their Adonai, and they shall be my people, and they shall know me, Yahweh, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I, Adonai, will forgive their wrongdoings and remember their sin no more. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 to 34 the new covenant walked among them, silently carrying their sorrows, at the same time being despised and rejected. This afternoon, as the sacrifices of the lambs for Pesach are taking place, the blood of the lamb, new covenant, the Brit Hadisha, will enter into death to destroy the power of death. The expressive love of God is not nearly as evident in the resurrection as it is in the death of the Saviour. The resurrection exhibits the power of God. The sacrifice unto death shows the compassion of God, one who surrenders his power to bear the guilt of those who are powerless. At the entrance to the praetorium, the leaders of Israel accompanying me stopped abruptly. As recorded, they who brought Jesus would not themselves enter the portals of the palace, that they might not be defiled, so that they might eat the Passover. John chapter 18 verse 28 According to Levitical law, the entrance into a heathen house rendered one impure for the day, until the evening. The person who had become Levitically unclean was technically called Tebul Yom, bathed of the day. Later today, the Passover lambs would be sacrificed and eaten. Yes, the same teachers and leaders of Israel, the ones who followed the law to the letter, the orthodox of the orthodox, would not defile themselves by entering into the courts of a pagan, but would see fit to let their Messiah not only enter the courts of a pagan, but be nailed to a cross between two thieves. Even now, many leaders and teachers of the Torah are faced with their Messiah, Yeshua. Yet even now, they would rather crucify me than humble themselves and call me the Messiah of Israel. I know of their zeal. I know of their works, just as I know of your works and know of your zeal. I know when you do no work on the Sabbath. I know how often you wash your hands. I know when you separate milk and meat to the point of having two kitchens so as not to break the rabbinical laws. 
I know you keep the appointed feasts. I know you repeat the blessings. I know how you study the Torah all day long. But it is these scriptures that speak of me. It seems acceptable to you to keep my law. But all day long I stretch out my hands for you to come home to me, to be completed in me. But this day my hands are stretched out to a rebellious house. I came for my own, the last sheep of the house of Israel, but my own received me not. In the cleaning and the keeping, the bending and the bowing, they somehow forgot to bow to me. Jesus, their Messiah, Emmanuel. You all, as sheep, have gone astray, each of you going your own way. And Adonai has laid upon his Messiah the iniquity of all. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 It is for this reason I leave the leaders of the Torah outside of Pilate's palace, led by pagan soldiers. I step into the praetorium to continue to drink the cup of my father's will and face the path of judgment. I, in fact, cannot be defiled by anything from the outside for I am clean by the very nature of my being. I had left the religious leaders outside, feeling smug in their outward cleanliness, yet inwardly they displayed filth and shame, sending their Messiah to bear their sins. I stood before Pilate, willing to accept their death sentence, for I was sent to die, for I was thinking of you, as I am thinking of you now. I will die for their sins and for yours, so that on the day when your clean white robes are stripped to reveal the unclean truth in your secret heart, you have a Messiah, a Saviour, a Lord who was clean from birth, entered into what was unclean, in order to cleanse my people Israel and the Israel of God, you and anyone who calls on my name. Procula bolted out of bed. I must warn him. I must warn my husband, Pilate. She frantically called for her maids to dress her. I must warn him to have nothing to do with this man. Matthew, chapter 27, verse 19. 